Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. My name's Barry. I live right above you. I don't host parties. I host after parties. They're like parties, only louder and nobody goes home. You can see right here I ripped out all the carpeting because it was holding me back with my pogo stick. Man's got a pogo. Oh, I'm a prankster. I'll grease up a soda can and then when somebody grabs it, boom! <laughs> Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. HD Smartcast. You are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. And some of that gap has been filled by the efficient NBFCs and MFIs. Today, why thirty uh, to thirty-five percent market share of NBFCs and MFIs in this space is essentially because I think uh, most of the customers were not uh, taken care of by the banks. So today, what uh, whatever you do, I think uh, the disconnect cannot be completely removed. But we need to put an efficient system in place. But uh, today, what every bank, at least public sector banks, are told to look at, how do we enable the customer to originate his request online, digitally? Like you must all be knowing that PSB 59 portal is a portal which is available to any lend- uh, borrower. And there's a strict timelines where it is monitored at the uh, highest level in the Ministry of MSMEs and uh, Financial Services. Why this application is pending for 30 days in uh, PSB 59 portals? This is on the systemic level. At the bank like SBI, which is a very significant presence in MSME, SME, we felt the need for totally revamping the delivery system. How do I make one of the important officials sitting in my zonal office across India? Today, the, you know, in this month of June, we put 80 of assistant general manager level officers across India, 80 centers, who will be the single point of contact for SMEs and MSMEs. I think this is what is missing. The MSMEs and SMEs can put up with slight delay, can put up with a slightly additional cost, but what they are interested in, somebody guiding them, what are the products available, how quickly they can get this product, what is the most suitable product for them. I think this is what I think banks have definitely have to look at it. I fully appreciate the fact that there is a, great amount of disconnect at the operating level, which we all are working to remove them. It cannot be simply removed by posting more and more number of people, but we have to look at the efficiency in the processes. Today, today, as part of, I don't know how many of you are know, aware, there is what is called enhanced access and uh, you know service excellence, which is a program which the government of India started, is program. Each of us is uh, measured on what how efficient our products in reaching the customers. And ease 3.0 expects that most of the MSMEs should be able to access the credit, what is called credit at click. The MSME clicks the uh, computer uh, in his office and he can choose the bank where the loan is required. And from there, it will be monitored by the government of India that how this loan is going to be closed by the banks. So this is what is required now. Whatever you say in terms of deploying more people is not going to help. I think uh, the new processes and new sensitivities towards these SME customers is what, uh, in my view, is the need of the No, couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, the first step towards solving a problem is realization. And uh, one of our viewers is actually saying that. He's saying that the SBI, SBI MD has been quite honest in his observations about what needs to be done. On that note, let me go to Mr. Forbes. Uh, your comments, sir. Uh, I mean, uh, do you see the same issues 
you know, in, within your ecosystem? And Deepa can probably answer after Mr. Forbes. Uh, I, I think I think Mr. Shetty has answered the question very well. So, uh, uh, you know, and he, I think, has answered both what the issue is and how it's uh, being addressed. I'll add only one thing to that, which is that very often uh, when one has an initiative that one is trying to transmit from uh, top management to an operational level, uh, one sends mixed messages, maybe not on the particular initiative, but in terms of the overall performance metrics that one has in place. So if, for example, one has an initiative to say, look, disperse these MSME loans where we have guarantees in place, where uh, we, we have access to low-cost funds, um, disperse them quickly, right? But at the same time, we have a lot of review mechanisms to ensure that we do not end up with non-performing loans in place. There's a lot of discussion and accountability for having a very solid and good loan portfolio. Uh, these tend to sort of fight against each other. And the operational, uh, the operational manager uh, thinks, well, okay, what I'm asked every month or every week is this set of questions, and I need to answer to them. There's now this particular initiative, which is running somewhat contrary to what I'm asked every week. So you need to sort those things out uh, at the end of the day to really bring about alignment between what the top management has decided and what the operational level finally has to implement and deliver. Let me give you a very different sided view. I mean, so let me talk about if I'm an MSME, right? And I see these grand announcements uh, and I say, okay, fine, I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to get my loan and all my problems are going to get resolved. But this is actually not the case, right? And he knows that he's not going to get it. He's probably going to have, and for whatever reasons, and I would say very honest reasons what Mr. Seti and Mr. Forbes elaborated on. So I think what will the MSME do? Either he will basically find some other ways and other measures to see and keep his business afloat. He can do it for a few weeks, few months, or he would actually close shop. And I think this will come into a classic kind of this twin balance sheet problem that if MSMEs actually go down, I mean, so bank will also have more NPAs on that. And I think this is where the struggle is. And I think the only solution is what Mr. Seti alluded to, is actually have a digitized or a ease of doing business on actually dispersing loan with a flexibility and agility uh, towards the MSME. And if MSME gets the confidence and assurance that there is some way he is able to do it, and I think there has to be a lot of education given to especially the micro and the small enterprises, I think then we can definitely have a much more stable outcome of this financial crisis. Yeah. Can, can I come in for a moment, actually? I think uh, uh, not to underplay the importance of financing in any of the industrial activity, there are a host of other issues to be addressed in MSME space. I think we're all aware. For example, what is happening on the receivables? Why do they not get in six months, eight months, 12 months? So these, these are uh, one issue of you know the receivables, number one. Number two, what what is the ecosystem, industrial associations, uh, you know, so many other bodies doing in terms of 
ensuring that these MSME, SMEs and MSMEs are not becoming technologically obsolescent. See, these, these are all things which are not finance related. While the finance and the credit, affordable, accessible credit is most important part, but that is not the only one which is playing the SMEs and MSMEs. I think we must be mindful of that. The more and more we talk about uh, the credit availability, I think in a way, uh, we uh, we tend to ignore the other larger issues. In terms of access to market, I think uh, somebody definitely talked uh, the market access, you know, e-commerce and all. Uh, the, the the payment of receivables in time, how do you enforce the discipline among the corporates, government agencies who are buying? Uh, like, for example, TREDS initiative. They, I hardly find any corporates using the TREDS platform at all. It's a wonderful platform. Why are they not pushing the corporates mandatorily you have to put the, uh, your, uh, you know, you buy, uh, you put the receivables in the TREDS platform? I think there are issues other than credit too, which we should not ignore. I think any discussion on SMEs and MSMEs should definitely be talking about those issues also. While, of course, the topic of the today is probably on the limited aspect of credit, but I think I would like to make a point that uh, all of us have a responsibility to guide them. Like, for example, we will be soon coming out with an initiative. How do I make consultancy part of my credit disposition? I, I, we will engage something, uh, somebody to provide that consultancy services at free of cost to all my MSMEs who are banking with SBI. Why can't we do that? Like, the moment he realizes that it is bundled with the credit and he is not going to pay anything extra, but I am trying to tell him that there is a resource available to you in terms of improving your processes and how do you improve your market access? How do you protect uh, your uh, you know safety aspects? I think these are all the things which every one of us in the ecosystem have to provide. It is not only simple giving a credit. That's my view. Yeah, if I if I can just comment on what uh, Mr. Sethi said, you know, I think he made a very pertinent point, right? When we come out of this, it is about the consulting. So I think MSMEs definitely need not, you know, the big boys can definitely get whomever they want, right? They can get the big names to come and talk about strategy, about consulting, about how to do it. But for an MSME, who's going to do it? It's 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 part of us. Uh, you know, each of us who are probably helping, you know, it could be Kinara, it is SBI and it's ACMA. You know, we, we probably have to provide them that help and that uh, support in terms of where they need to come out with, what is the process that they need to put in place? You know, where do they really look at? And if I have to tie in that point on China that we spoke early, you know, for all the manufacturing that China does is, uh, you know, low-level manufacturing, right? Uh, what is the total... Um, you know, amount that they probably get in terms of uh, revenue that they generate for all the manufacturing that they do. Let's take an organization, a country like Japan, you know, they do very little uh, manufacturing, but for the IP that they've created, the value that they create, so it's a value versus a volume uh, game. And I think clearly for India and our SMEs that are there is to look at where do they want to play. You know, uh, is it clearly in the value space uh, or, you know, something like innovation that we invest in? Really look at uh, Industry 4.0. How do we get, uh, you know, to the next level of uh, generating that IP so that the world looks at us? We are able to uh, get a larger buck or we look at 
you know, increasing low-level manufacturing, we continue to do what we are doing and how are we going to embrace technology. So, uh, and for that, we all are, as actors have to play, you know, technology organizations, financial institutions, you know, associations like Deepak, uh, you know, that he leads, obviously, he does lead a very uh, uh, great organization as well. But also as, as that uh, charter of ACMA, I think what they would probably be doing and, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's, that's clearly something that I think we have a, a responsibility to deliver. Kapil, I wanted to quickly, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of make a point from what you said. I mean, that's a really valid point because, uh, you know, during this whole crisis, uh, you know, automation, uh, particularly in the supply chain area and digitization has been constantly talked about. I wanted to ask you that, you know, it's often said that, you know, cloud is going to play uh, like a really important role and will be a, a key solution for MSMEs, you know, whether to cut costs or increase productivity. Um, is there anything that you could talk about in terms of custom offerings, uh, you know, that are tailored uh, for this kind of a crisis uh, for the MSME sector? So the first thing, uh, you know, was from a technology standpoint, we all want to keep our businesses, you know, running, right? And I think as SMEs, they all wanted to keep, uh, you know, businesses running. Uh, and we, when we probably ran it out of, you know, if, if I have to talk uh, as an as an SME, my brother runs one. Uh, so if we probably, you know, ran it uh, through, uh, uh, you know, through our khatas or uh, the desktops at home, and when something like this absolutely untoward happened, you know, we really did not know how to uh, how to you know operate. So I think clearly that way. Is you know, dependency on systems, taking it out and doing it on something that we can really do. So I believe for SMEs, the, the leaders in that organization, the proprietors or uh, the, the home offices that they really have, have to run it from their, you know, mobile. It's, it's up, doing business from anywhere, any device. And that's clearly what Salesforce helps in terms of running your business from anywhere or any device does, does not uh, really matter. The second is how are we looking for the future, right? Future is about how are we going to acquire new customers. There are a lot of unknown. How, how are we going to look at audience management in terms of which is the population set I have to go to? Looking at your unknown customers and, you know, getting them to know so that I really cater to them. So that's something that if we can nurture that customer who's out there and then bring them uh, into a band where we can probably, you know, uh, work with them more intelligently. The customers that we already have, how do we, uh, you know, kind of service them better? I think that's going to be very key. Next is looking at our own suppliers, right? Every 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 uh, organization does have suppliers. Looking at our suppliers and how we can give them better visibility, connect with them. All of that is happening. And the most important point is employees, right? We I don't think we can probably come back uh, to the same way that uh, we were. Uh, for five months back. So that is going to involve a lot of motivation, you know, monitoring, how we don't do, you know, the shift management, the whole command center around that and taking care of employee well-being is going to be key. And how are we going to attain that and deliver that is something that Salesforce really is, uh, you know, concentrated on and helping our customers and how SMEs can come out of this. And definitely, yes, we do have programs and we do have... Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the commercial aspect of it to help them in terms of, uh, uh, you know, all that requires for them to come up to speed. Sure, thanks. Uh, uh, Kamal, uh, Hardika uh, wanted to, you know, uh, no, please continue. 
I just wanted to add one thing to what Kamal was saying that I thought was very uh, important uh, from from what we see with our MSMEs, right? One, it absolutely is critical that there needs to be technology to that that is relevant to them. Uh, the piece that we often forget is it needs to be technology that's also vernacular because vernacular becomes an important element for how the MSME operates. So as far as we can make our tech uh, language ready as well, then that is a that is going to be you know, a long way to getting the adoption done as well. But that's that's all I was adding. Go ahead, ask the question. Uh, Habika, going back to the uh, you know to the to the to the financial aspect of it, uh, you know, wanted to ask you. Uh, uh, you know, you did say that uh, you know disbursement will only start uh, from your end uh, the next month. But uh, you know, on a broader note, uh, will access to easy and sort of cost-effective finance? You know, play a critical role in the revival of MSMEs. I mean, we all know that there will be pain over the next few quarters, but uh, you know, how important will cost-effective finance be in their revival? Uh, it will be critical. We talked a lot about how we need to do demand generation. Or if we have, but if demand is generated, capital is required to actually build it out. And so MSMEs are going to need uh, access to capital more so than ever. And as this world is collapsing around us, if we get more and more stringent about how we select the uh, the MSMEs that get it and don't get it, we, we are probably going to create even further broken supply chains. So this part is critical. And I, you know, I'd like to, Mr. Seti was talking about how the NBFCs have to form an important part of this. So access to capital to us, to, to MSMEs, is, is going to be equally critical for the ecosystem to survive the next 9, 10, 12 months or as long as this is going to take. The big question everybody's asking, how are we bracing for the post-moratorium world? How, you know, I mean, we have this whole responsibility of revival at the same time. How are we bracing for what's going to happen once this, the moratorium ends? And how are we going to sort of find our way through that? See, I think I wish to, I don't know, I mean, it may not be a great analogy, but I wish to state that moratorium is like lockdown in the sense that what was the purpose of the lockdown? That you get prepared yourself for anything which is going to happen, right? So the moratorium had given a breathing space to many people. In fact, uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, uh, the conservation of uh, cash. While it comes to the fact that many people might not have availed the moratorium uh, because they had the cash flows, but those people who were in need of conserving the cash, they have availed the moratorium. Uh, they have deferred their installment payment. So uh, it, it is not uh, apocalypse which is likely to happen post-moratorium. I think we must all understand that. Because uh, in many of the banks, even in NBFCs, barring you know, MFIs because their targeted group is different, much of uh, the portfolio withstood the pressure. But the post-moratorium it all depends on how quickly the normalization happens. We all, uh, you know, it's, it's not a rocket science to state on that. So my view is that we need to understand there will be two, three different categories of borrowers. The borrowers who have uh, ability to come back to normalcy because they have additional uh, breathing space which they availed by way of moratorium. Number two is that they have the ability to ramp up their production immediately. I think they, they may not really face any problem. They may have issues of cash flow, but they can sustain. 
The second category are the people probably, I, I'm talking about MSME and SME. I'm not talking about the retail segment. It's a different ballgame altogether. In MSME, SME, uh, this is the first category who can sustain because they have had this six months moratorium and the ability to come back is intact with them. The second category would be the customer, uh, the MSMEs who have, uh, they probably require some kind of refacement of their loans. Uh, fortunately for MSMEs, uh, we can restructure them under the RBI dispensation up to March 21. My view is that some of these MSMEs which are going to have some issues in terms of their prolonged cash flow issues can be addressed under the restructuring. The third category of the people are the ones which had issues pre-COVID and their issues got complicated because of the COVID. These are the ones which require a different dispensation, which are hopefully, you know, this subordinated debt which is coming, uh, the government is floating a fund, 20,000 crores, which we would like to utilize that fund to support them by way of additional financing, and they will bring the margin money from this fund. This is the third category, which is the most vulnerable category in my view. So these three categories have to be, first of all, I think there should not be any knee-jerk reaction on the part of the lenders that this guy is becoming NPA, let me pull the plug out. I think there's one important uh, thing which lenders should realize that if they do anything like that, or what I think Hardika was saying or somebody was mentioning, that if you don't handhold them, they're likely to default and you will never get the money back. And the loss given default in this industry is very high, right? So it is in our interest, lenders' interest, to handhold them as long as possible and as much as possible. But one thing I would definitely tell the MSMEs not to indulge in is to overcome this cash flow mismatches and losses which they've incurred, they should not fund by way of raising new loans. It's a death knell for them. They are going to get into debt trap. So it is better for them to come back to the lenders that I have some part of my debt which I cannot pay. You please give me some uh, relief on this. Either you uh, you know take a haircut and give me a restructuring, or you rephase my loans. Or I think this conversation should happen. And we are actually uh, 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 emphasizing in our people that each relationship manager in his portfolio has to categorize his borrowers into ABC. What I mentioned just now. And the C category, they cannot simply tell them that, you know, you are, either you pay or your account is NPA. They have to find a solution to that. We still have the challenge of how do I articulate this management view till the last mile. We are working very hard. I think, uh, again, this moratorium had helped us to strategize on this. How do I reach out to my operating people and MSMEs? to tell them that these are the three categories of people which you have to have different solutions. And today, we have had huge amount of outreach programs. I myself, I'm talking to the MSMEs. I think I must have addressed almost 20 webinars where MSME customers were present. And I keep telling them three these three mantras. Don't borrow more to get into, you will get into larger problems. And if you have a problem, please start a dialogue with the banker. And if you can address your issues by availing the moratorium, please avail the moratorium. We are now never saying that please don't avail the moratorium. But if you have the ability, please pay because it is an additional cost to you. I think broadly, this is my view on how do we address the post-moratorium issues. But uh, as I think you rightly pointed out, the critical piece in the whole scheme of things is how quickly consumption gets revived, how quickly demand gets uh, you know back in uh, track. If it doesn't happen, I will just give you a data point. Despite start, uh, sanctioning 18,000 crores worth loans, 
people have not drawn full amount and even if they have drawn they have just put in their cash credit account because they are not sure how it is going to play out they are all waiting it out whether whether they need that money in fact large number of people said that you know you please give me sanction but i don't take the money is it okay i said fine perfectly all right so that means everybody is there is a great amount of uncertainty hopefully post august and july and august will help us to understand how it is going to play out and uh, but i can assure you that i think most of the banks have been sensitized by the government and we ourselves believe that if you don't support them the loss is more to the banks than the you know the system Mr. Mr. Forbes. So, you know, the if you take the if you take the moratoriums, the moratoriums were to meet a temporary and immediate cash crunch. Um, that's the sole purpose that they are meant to actually achieve. And we shouldn't see the moratorium as uh, in any way helping with any underlying solvency issues of any kind of enterprise. because it doesn't help with solvency issues it helps with immediate liquidity issues and that too very short term liquidity issues having said that remember that the moratorium also means that one the the company will the msme will end up paying interest on the interest so the interest that has been postponed as a result of the moratorium will has ends up getting added to the loan which ends up then needing to be financed in turn so again it's it's not a you know it's not like the moratorium is this huge benefit that has been provided uh to uh, either consumers uh, or msmes it's only meant to provide that short immediate liquidity assistance the second point uh, i fully agree with the point on demand uh demand is indeed critical what can we do actually to stimulate demand uh, yes sentiment will drive a lot but the most direct thing that the government can do to stimulate demand is to pay its bills the government owes probably somewhere on the order of 3 lakh crores to large companies state governments and msmes if one paid those bills if one paid that 3 lakhs crores off that's a huge liquidity infusion into the economy which can go a very long way to enhancing liquidity across the spectrum large companies small companies the entire enterprise sector and it can go a very long way also to then saying okay let's things are getting back to normal i have actually great confidence that things can improve fairly quickly and that sentiment can start turning up uh fairly quickly that's what we're seeing happen with rural demand today if you look at the if you look at what's happened with for example unemployment unemployment went between middle of march and middle of april unemployment rose by a massive amount by about 120 million people right we went from about 7% unemployment to 26% unemployment between the middle of april and the middle of may unemployment dropped from 26% down to about 21-22%. And if you look at what's happened between the middle of May and now the third week of June, unemployment has fallen back to about 8-9%. It's still it's still higher than it was in the middle of March, but we've seen this huge responsiveness, we've seen this huge increase in unemployment, and then we've seen these jobs 
coming back in a very significant way, particularly in rural areas, particularly as a result of the Narega program. So a variety of different things that are actually getting people, people in rural areas having money in their hands, and that means they will go out and spend. If you talk to consumer goods companies, what they're saying is that today demand in rural areas and in semi-urban areas is either back to last year's levels or at about 90% of last year's levels. Where we're still struggling is in the big metros, in Bombay, in Delhi, in Ahmedabad, in Pune, in Chennai, all the metros which are all still suffering with lockdowns and the spread of the virus and an increase in cases. As that, as that gradually improves in the next couple of months, I think we'll see demand come back in the larger cities as well. The last comment has to do with uh, the nature of uh, the nature of business. You know, we should see we should see bankruptcies as a part of the business cycle. We don't like to see that in the country. You know, only in India do you have this phenomenon of sick companies. No other no other economy in the world has a sick company. You either have companies that are alive or you have companies that are not. You don't have this in-between stage. And I think we need to get over this idea that all companies having once been formed will continue forever, right? Some companies will succeed and grow and thrive and prosper. And other companies will fail. And if they fail, one should cut one's losses, whether it's as a bank or another creditor, clear out that company, and let it be replaced by a company that is going to be more successful. That might sound brutal, but it's actually the way in which one ends up with a competitive, dynamic economy. Look, fair point. Uh, let's go to Deepak. How does ACMA see this? Uh, my first, first, first question is the demand situation. And do you see some companies obviously dying out out of this whole crisis? And uh, yeah. Yeah, so let me say, I mean, so let's go back a decade. I mean, say, as far as the component industry, the auto sector, the economy, 2008, what happened? 2014, what happened? Every crisis had made us more resilient. We have emerged much more stronger than what we were in 2008. Of course, this pandemic is of a different nature. But, you know, whenever we talk about different types of recovery, U, W, V, always we actually talk about the suffix as recovery. So at least ACMA is optimistic that there is going to be recovery. What also it has done today in terms of just this whole monitorium, this lockdown, is that we've actually been able to get into our own financial due diligence. You know, you have to understand we are an extremely theorized and interdependent supply chain. So what it's done is that our starting from our customers, the OEMs, to tier ones, to tier twos, you've actually gone and handheld people on finances, on quality, on even productivity. And I think our current essence would be that how do we basically ensure that in muted demand also, we keep on running our shop floors, although we are going to have cost appreciation, but make it more efficient. So I think that's what the current challenge is. But at least we are seeing that there is going to be demand revival. As Mr. Forbes said, the rural already we are seeing in the farm sector, we're already seeing this. And hopefully within the next 60 to 90 days, we should basically come back to certain sustainable levels. 
So thank you, thank you so much uh, for 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 that you know outlook. Um, this discussion can go on forever. You know, I'm enjoying every part, every bit of it. But my producer is telling me we are already out of time. So thank you everybody for joining us. Look forward to having all of you again very soon. Maybe after after the moratorium period has ended. Thank you very much once again. From, uh, thank, you very much. thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. This was a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins. Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.